Thank you, Nathan. All right. Well, Thanksgiving 2021. You know, last year, this time, Thanksgiving 2020 was not a good year. And uh, we were thinking that uh, 2021 would be a whole lot better than 2020. But it hasn't necessarily turned out that way. And, you know, we're living in a world today where there's just a lot of hostility, particularly around the the mandatory vaccinations. And uh, people are in fear of losing their jobs um, as a result of that. You know, we think of um, 21 and um, yesterday's heroes are today's zeros. The heroes that uh, put their lives on the line that were working the pandemic. And uh, because they have issues regarding the vaccination, they have lost their jobs. And uh, it is just a very different year. You know, some of you, uh, you saw um, raises in this last year. And you were thinking to yourself, I'm fine. I think I'm going to get ahead this year. All to find out that inflation has wiped out any increase that you have received. And so in this year, this Thanksgiving season, it's really easy to think negatively. But church... We have much to be thankful for. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, is what we do have to be thankful for. The fact that God is leading us. That God is leading you. The fact that Jesus died for our sin and has saved us and has set us free from the bondage of sin and the fear of death. We have much to be grateful for. Yesterday I did Manuel Morse's um, graveside service. This is Kathy Williams' uh, father. And um, Manuel had put together his uh, service, what he would like to have in his memorial service years ago. Uh, And in one of those requests that uh, we sing the song, He Leadeth Me. That's an old hymn. And uh, some of you probably have never heard it before. But uh, that that, that hymn is based on Psalm 23. And so this morning, this message is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to cover a lot of different Bible stories, passages this morning, but it's really based upon that hymn. I want to kind of break apart that hymn and allow us to think about those words, understand those words, and then at the conclusion of the message, we're going to sing that hymn. And hopefully that hymn is going to be very meaningful to you. But uh, the hymn, He Leadeth Me, was written around 1860. Very old. Uh, Pastor Joseph Gilmore 
was uh, preaching a midweek prayer service, and he was focused on Psalm 23. And uh, let me just read Psalm 23. Let me just read a couple verses, because that's all he got through that night. But David says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. As he was reading that text, he couldn't get past the words, he leads me. He was overwhelmed by those that thought that he leads me. He leads me through everything. Not just the good times, but the hard times as well. He leads me. And at the conclusion of that prayer service, he went to the back of the church and sat on the back pew, and he penned uh, the words to the song, the hymn, He Leadeth Me. And let me just read the first verse. I'm just going to go through this hymn one verse at a time. He leadeth me. O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Look at those words for a moment. Where'er I do, whatever I do, where'er I be, still this God's hand that leadeth me. The pastor was overwhelmed with those thoughts. That there's nowhere that he could go. There's nothing he could be doing. There's no place he could be where God wasn't leading in all of it. This is our Good Shepherd Church. He is leading each and every one of us. Then we come to the second verse. The second verse says, Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom, by waters still, over troubled sea, Still tis hand that leadeth me. What he's saying here is the shepherd leads us into all kinds of scenes for his own purposes. I think of some Old Testament stories this morning. I think of Joseph. Joseph, who was uh, sold uh, by his brothers into slavery, went off into Egypt and uh, had some high points and some very low points. And for 13 years, Joseph sat in a prison and thought to himself, had God forgotten him? It was of deepest gloom. But we learn through Joseph's story 
that God led in all of it. Um, I think of Job, his life, and how he was a very wealthy, prosperous, successful individual and had come to the point where he had lost everything. He had lost his livelihood. He had lost his family. He had lost his health. Sitting in physical pain from the boils that had come upon his body. Darkest gloom. Yet as we read the story of Job, God led Job through that as well. I think of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Here she is, 75 years old. Longs to have a baby. Is beyond the childbearing years. And is desperate. So desperate that she gives her husband, her servant, Hagar. That hopefully through Hagar... Abraham will be able to have a child. And lo and behold, that happens. And in Sarah's barrenness, in Sarah's grief for herself personally, here she sees her servant get pregnant, and she's consumed with jealousy and questions. Why, God? Why can't she get pregnant? Not me. And yet God is leading Sarah through all of that as well. Up until she is 90 years of age. Deepest gloom. Sometimes mid-scenes of deepest glooms. My friend, there's no place where you can go, where God isn't. He is there. Let me read Psalm 139 for you this morning. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day as the day for darkness is as light with you. Do you find your life in deepest gloom this morning? All of us go through it. All of us have been there. And if you're there this morning, my friend, I want you to hear God's voice. He's there with you. He's holding your hand. He's got you. 
You're not alone. He has a purpose in it. Pastor Gilmore understood this. And he penned those words, sometimes mid-scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's bowers blow. What does that mean? Eden's bowers blow. You know, it's those those blissful moments where, you know, you're pinching yourself. Is this really real? This, this, is, this is an amazing moment. You know, I think of my son Kyle. Just had his first son. And he told us that, um, you know, I can't stop looking at him. He's so beautiful. He's so perfect. And every one of us who are parents understand exactly what he's thinking as you've looked at your child for the very first time. You can't take your eyes off of them. I think... Sarah had one of those Eden Bowers bloom when she gave birth to Isaac (laughs) at 90 years of age. Can you just imagine the expression on Abraham and Sarah's faces as they're holding their child of promise, Isaac, a, a child that was impossible in man's eyes for them to to be able to have, but not impossible with God. That's Eden's garden's bloom. And you know those moments, don't you? We've all had them. I could go on all day talking about those those blissful moments. I remember like yesterday when I'm standing before a congregation in Manteca, California, about ready to marry my wife, Susan. And here she comes walking down the aisle. Beautifully adorned. Looking at no, looking at nobody else but me. But me looking at nobody else but her. That's an Eden Gardens bloom. And you know what? God leads us in those places too. We like those places. We like, we want those places to be forever. They will one day for all eternity. But we have those moments and we need to be grateful for them. And then he says, by water still. We need those waters still. We need those moments where God slows us down, causes us to rest, These last three weeks haven't been easy for me. I'm not used to just being home and uh, not feeling well. But even in this moment, God leads me. 
and I need to trust his hand. He says, he leads me. The psalmist David says, he leads me beside still waters. And in those moments, he restores my soul. And he leads us over troubled sea. You know, I think of King David on the run from Absalom, her, his, his son, or King Saul, both who were trying to um, kill him. But you know, while he's on the run, if you want some of the Psalms that David wrote, some of the most profound Psalms, the most memorable Psalms that David wrote were in times where he was on the run, the run from these people in fear of his life. Let me read Psalm chapter 34, verses 3 through 8. Psalm 34. This is when he was on the run from Saul, King Saul. Verse 3 says, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This is a man who's in fear of his life and has penned these words, not just for his benefit, but for ours, that God can be trusted and that the God leadeth, led him into this troubled season, scene of his life. And then I think of the disciples, you know, as we were going through the Gospel of John, John chapter 6, Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and cross over to to the other uh, side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus knew exactly what was before the disciples. Jesus purposefully sent the disciples into a storm where they were going to be in fear of their own life. And in the... Three o'clock hour, a.m. hour, where the disciples are desperate. They're thinking any moment they're going to drown. Here comes Jesus walking on top of the water. What the disciples feared the most, water that was going to drown them, Jesus was walking on top of the water, indicating to the disciples and to us, Guys, I've got it under all under control. I've got this. The disciples could not have learned this any other way. Church, he leads us through all kinds of scenes. And this is why it's so important that we know the word of God that we grow in the grace and the knowledge 
of who God is and that he is sovereign over all of it. And as difficult and as scary as those times of gloom, those troubled seas might be, he's holding your hand. Which brings me to the next verse. Verse 3 of uh, He Leadeth Me. Lord, I would clasp thine hand in mine, nor ever murmur nor repine, content whatever lot I see, since tis thine hand that leadeth me. That's a testimony of a mature believer in Christ. A believer who knows that God has our hand, his hand. Isaiah 41, verse 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, for I am the one who helps you. Do you know that? Have you experienced to God, God to be that, be that in your life? May we never get to a point where we think to ourselves, we've convinced ourselves that God has abandoned us. If your life is in Christ, your life is in Christ, and it is not going anywhere. He's got you. You know, I like to think of uh, this verse of when my kids were young, and I would be crossing the street with them. You know, when it was time to cross the street, what would we do as parents? We would hold their hand, right? Because we wouldn't want them to go there. They wouldn't be holding my hand, you know, and be at a point where if they decide they want to let go, they can let go. No, God, I am holding their hand, and I am not going to let them go. And my friend, that's who God is in your life. He is holding your hand. And I want to just encourage you that as you're going through those difficult times, that you just learn to squeeze his because he's got you. Lord, I would clasp thine hand in mine, nor ever murmur nor repine. Content whatever lot I see, since Tis thine hand that leadeth me. That's a metaphor of our affection with God and for God. It's a sign that we are dependent on him, that we are trusting him, that we are in relationship with him. So how do we put our hand in his hand. How do we squeeze his hand knowing that he holds ours? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight straight. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not with all your mind, okay? Because with our mind, we're trying to figure it out ourselves. We're trying to come up with a solution ourselves. But when it comes to our heart, this is, this is the center of our emotions, of our wills, of where our faith comes from. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And say, God, I don't understand what's going on. But I know your word. I know your character. I know your heart. And I'm going to trust you, even though I can't see my way through this. He wants us to walk by faith, my friends, and not by sight. So that's how we take God's hand. And then in verse 4 of the, the hymn, He Leadeth Me, here's the blessing of being led by God. And when my task on earth is done, and when by thy grace the victory's won, even death's cold wave, I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. When Manuel Morris first went into the hospital, Kathy gave me a call. It was uh, Friday night before Harvest Festival, and he was uh, he was really sick, really discouraged, and she wanted me to to see him and try to encourage him. And um, so I went on that Saturday morning, and uh, had one of those end of the life conversations with a dear saint. Um, I cherish those moments. Those conversations are hard, but um, but you know I want to encourage God's people who are um, close to seeing Jesus. And we had that conversation. And Manuel said that he was ready. Um. He was tired. His body had worn out. Manuel was a fixer. Manuel was a a machinist as a profession, but loved to ensure that things were working smoothly. And even in his retirement years, he was always working around the house, making sure that Things were working correctly. And even the day before he went into the hospital, he was in his backyard working on his irrigation system. I think Manuel was 91 years old when he passed away. Um, but, uh, but even with his wife, he was the primary caretaker of Dini, And uh, always there for the, they had been married 71 years. But now here he is in the hospital. He can't move his legs. He's, he's just tired. And he knows that he is at the end. 
like the hymn says, when my task on earth is done. He knew he was done. But he was looking forward to what was going to happen next. He knew that he was going to see his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he was ready. My friend, this is the testimony of a person who has been led by God for many, many decades. And this is... This is why Manuel wanted this song to be sung at his service because he wanted his family and his friends to know that his God had leadeth him all the way. And it wasn't because of what Manuel had done. It was all because of what Jesus had done for Manuel by dying for Manuel's sin on that cross. And when my task on earth is done, and when by thy grace the victory's won, Manuel knew that he was going to have the victory. Manuel believed, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Fifty-five, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Manuel knew this. Manuel knew that he was going to experience the victory that Jesus had provided through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so those words to the song, even death's cold wave, I will not flee since God through Jordan leadeth me. That's his God. Even through death, God through Jordan is going to leadeth him. You know the the Jordan story when Israel was about ready to pass over into the promised land after having wandered the wilderness for 40 years. God told them, God led them to the Jordan River and that they were going to have to cross the Jordan River. And guess what time of the year they were going to have to cross the Jordan River? During the dry season? Nope. Through the wet season. And so the Jordan River was overflowing its banks. It was dangerous. But God told the Levites 
to get the Ark of the Covenant to go into that Jordan. And when they did, when they took that first step into the Jordan River, the waters built up. And the the ground was dry for the children of Israel to pass through. That's our God. That's Israel's God. That was Manuel's God. Manuel knew that as he took his last breath here, that God through the Jordan was going to lead him into the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the testimony of a person who knows what it's like to be led by God their whole Christian life. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what happens, friends, when we live a life of faith in Christ, knowing that God holds our hands and he leads us through the good times as well as the hard times. And as we come to the end of our life, guess what? what what's following behind us? Surely goodness and mercy, the character and nature of God. That's that's the blessing. And we can be thankful for that this morning. And so as we conclude this service, I want to prepare our hearts for the supper this morning. Because without Jesus' sacrifice dying for our sin. We, can not, we, we, we couldn't know any of these promises. We wouldn't even be here today. But as bad as 2020 and 2021 may have been in your life, guess what? God is leading us through all of it. And he has a purpose and we can trust his heart. He has got your I hope you leave here with that confidence this morning because it is true. It is real. So let's sing. Let's pray. Let's prepare our hearts for the supper. As we're, as we're worshiping, we're going to be singing two songs this morning. Um, we have Lord's Supper kits in the Connection Center. If you didn't get one when you came in, um, if you'll just uh, take a moment to go get one, that would be uh, great. And then following this, um, these two songs of worship, we will partake of the Lord's Supper. All right, but let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you for the stories in the Bible that apply to not just those who went through it personally, but they apply to our lives today. God, help us to grow. Grow in what the Word says. 
understand what the word, how the word describes who you are and, want, and who you want to be in our lives as we trust you with our heart. Lord, help us to have hearts of gratitude, knowing that that we're not alone. And there's people here this morning, God, who are going through gloom, deepest gloom. God, you hold them. And we thank you for that. Help. Help all of us, God, to praise you with both the good times and the bad times. Because you're there and you're working. Minister our heart to our hearts as we give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please?